This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. I have a uh, Tuesday night class for men at 630 Avenue S. That's the corner of Avenue S and E 7th at 8 p.m. as well every Tuesday. So everyone's welcome to join us for any of those classes. Now, uh, tonight's topic is uh, going to be, uh, the title was, uh, Can You Lose It All? Right? Can You Lose It All? So, so really the, 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 ti- the topic, the title is going to be really uh, going to be all under uh, Tuba Repentance. And being that now it is the season for repentance, which really is, is, is incorrect because it's always, uh, you should always repent. You should always come you know, closer to God and it should, should not only be this time. However, this time is more opportune to it and that's why more people are more focused on it. So there's a lot of time the goal is, is over the, the the next few classes will be focused on this and different uh, ideas in it and how to, um, you know, and how to actually achieve it. Now, there are many people that feel like I've done so many, st-. you know, people come to me and they tell me all their, you know, lovely skeletons in their closets and I have heard the worst of the worst. Whatever you can think of that you've heard, I've heard worse than that. And uh, they say, you know, I'm going to hell anyways, you know, whatever, you know, might as well just, you know, live the life, you know, live it through. And that's a terrible, first of all, it's very depressing to think that way. I'm like, why would you even think like that? It's like someone who's, you know, who like got a scratch and be like, oh, well, this hand is done. You have a sore or something? I, you know, look at the scratch. You know, it made my whole shirt dirty. I'm like, that's idiotic. Just because you did something wrong doesn't mean that you should continue falling and should continue doing more and more and more sins. There is, unless even someone has a, such a nice amount of skeletons, such a nice amount of sins that they think that's it, it's, it's never going to happen. You know, all these, all these that I did in my previous, you know, my previous life and all my, my sins before I became a Vachuva, and they think that's it, it's done, it's over. And that's not the case. Everything that you did a sin on is possible to do Tshuva It's possible. It's very, very possible to do Tshuva. However, it's very unfortunate, and this is why I want to take not just one class on this, but actually uh, multiple classes on this, that people, they know, the, they know how to repent. They know what they have to do. They know that, that which we're going to go through it. But how many people actually really go through those three steps of repentance? And they actually feel like, you know what, weight off my shoulder. I really feel like I cleanse myself. And I would venture to say 90%, you know, and I'm throwing out a number, obviously, that would not, would not actually do. And there, by the way, there are many people that were secular. They grew up secular, and they became completely religious. They keep Shabbat, they keep kosher, but they never did full repentance. And it's, really, it's, a, it's a really big shame that they come up to the next world, and for a few minutes a day, that they could have, they could have just cleansed it. You know that it is possible that you would have... If let's say somebody went and ate a hamburger, a cheeseburger, I'm sorry, a cheeseburger, right? Which is obviously not kosher and it's a very big thing. You're not supposed to eat, you know, non kosher. And they ate it, it went to McDonald's and ordered, the, you know, the Double Mac cheeseburger and they started munching it down. Then, after 120, they get up to heaven. And they get up to heaven and now there's a big, nice 3D display, you know, panoramic view of their whole life story. They gather around, everyone comes around, all their family, their friends, everybody they ever felt that they knew and everybody they didn't know all come and watch their life story, right? It's like uh, if you're nervous about your private life, when it comes up to heaven, there's nothing private. Everybody sees everything. So, the, the Sarpan is over there, waiting over there, you know, he's the director, and he's, you know, like, oh, yeah, watch this part, this part's going to be good. And if somebody goes, and let's say they ate this, this double cheeseburger, or whatever it was, and they went and they did full tshuva out of love, that avera, that sin, actually turns into a merit. So the satan, the, the video is playing, and the satan, and you know, the person comes in, and uh, you're you're walking into this McDonald's, and all of a sudden, the, you see like the screen go like, you know, choppy, and there's a new scenario. 
you know, you walk into Swami's Bakery, you get one place in Bar Park, you know, where it smells of herring and, and uh, you know, potato kugel. And you walk in there, and you sit over there, and the son's going, what's going on over here? He never went over here, he never did this. And you go over there, and you, you take a nice Danish, and you make a big bracha, you know, with all the kavanot, and then you make, you, you eat the Danish, and then you make a bracha. So now you do all the blessings before and afterwards, and the son's screaming, what's going on? This guy never did this. This guy never was never in this place. I remember, he was in McDonald's. And the answer is if the person goes and does repentance out of love, they do out of repentance out of love to God, that sin turns into a merit. That it actually turns, that sins that you did will turn into merits for you. Which is crazy. Can you imagine? That doesn't make any, it doesn't, you know what, repentance makes absolutely no sense. If you ever think about it. And uh, um, I once heard this, um, I once heard this, uh, I forgot who it was, maybe it was Rabbi Mizrahi, I don't remember who it was, I heard this story, uh, how to explain repentance. Imagine somebody goes, and uh, I think it was Reverend Zrafi. He goes and he, um, and he realizes that Con Edison doesn't charge him for any electric. Like he'll go, he'll use electricity, and the bill comes, it's just like zero, zero, no electricity used, or just delivery charge, whatever they actually charge. And he's like, that's odd, but he doesn't say anything. And months go by, and he keeps on getting zero, zero. And he's, you know, he keeps on not paying for his electricity. So he's like, you know, he's a good businessman. So he's like, uh, he goes to his neighbor, and he's like, oh, um, how much uh, money you're paying for your uh, electricity? So the guy says, you know, $200 a month. In the summer, $500 a month. So he says, uh, wait, listen, I'll make a deal with you. Here's a wire. We'll take a cable from my house. You just give me $100 slack. Use as much electricity as you want. And the guy says, uh, you crazy? What do you mean? You know, as much as I want? I said, you put the air conditioner all the time. doesn't matter. What do you want? $100 slack fee. The guy says, for sure. You got a deal. And he puts out this, this, uh, um, this wire. goes out from his to the neighbor's yard. And then, you know, a month goes by. Still no charge. Another month go by, another no charge. So he goes to the other neighbor. Says, hey, how much are you paying for uh, your uh, electricity? Says, I don't know, about, you know, 300. Says, listen, come to, you know, I'll get a wire for you, 150 flat charge. And the guy says, flat? You mean I could use as, mu- as much as you want? And the guy says, you got it. And they go, and eventually this spreads out. This guy has a spider web coming out of his, uh, his backyard of all, through all his neighbors. And all the neighbors are packing up or using electricity. 20 years goes by, this guy's raking it. He doesn't need to work anymore. He says that he's an electricity man, right? He goes, everyone gets electricity from him. After 20 years, suddenly Conrad is realizing, you know, something's going on over here. This guy is, you know, there's a lot of electricity going on in this one house. And they, they look into it and they turn out this guy's not even paying. So they go over to him and they say, uh, you, know, what's, you know, what's going on over here? And they start investigating. They see all this wires going out. And they go into the investigation and they see that the, 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 it never registered. All the bills, all the kilowatts that he was using never registered in the company. So they started going and they started backtracking it. You know, 20 years, he owed like $15 million or whatever it was, you know, with all his neighbors to the thing. So they bring him to court. They arrest him. What is this? this is fraud. This is illegal. They bring him to court. He sits in court. And the judge says, you know, you owe, the, the balance is $15 million. Do you have it? They're like, what, are you kidding me? I don't have $15 million. I've been living, you know, a simple life. What do I mean? How much does it put up $15 million? So, you know, they count him all these felony charges. And then he's like, all right, listen, um, it, you know, 15 years in prison and a penalty. And, you know, that's it. So the guy goes up and he says, um, I understand I did something very wrong, my dear judge. Um, I really feel bad about it. I regret it. I'm confessing to it, and I will never do it again. And then he walks out. And the guy, you know, the, the judge is like, he's like, does the guy need a psych eval? What, what's going on with this guy? He's like, bring it back in. He's like, where are you going? He's like, no, no, I, you know, I understand I did something wrong. I'm repenting. You know, repentance is what? You stop doing it. You regret it, and you confess. So, I, you know, I, I'm going to stop. I'm regretting that I did it, and I'm confessing. You know, I, 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 did, I did something wrong. So, um, have a good day. And the, the judge says, lock this guy up right now. What do you mean? What is confess? This doesn't work this way. You, you, you messed up. You got to pay the price. But in heaven, it works very different. You messed up. You could just go to God and be like, 
I'm sorry, I, I messed up. I shouldn't have done what I did. Um, I regret it. I won't do it again. And God says, all right, that's just gone. Everything gone. Obviously, you have to do it. It's not the, yeah, simple as just saying that. But obviously, you know, so how does that work? It's an unbelievable, it's a gift that, that it says one of the things that was given to those created before the world was created was repentance. Because it makes no sense. You go back in time and you change. Question? I just have a question. Sometimes when a person does a sin and they get punished right away, well, how do you explain that? So, it says, Kel Erech Right? God is, is very merciful when it comes to payment. If someone does a sin, and let's say they get punished right away, you don't know that it was punishment for that sin. It could have been a punishment for like three times, you know, even though they may have done like really something really, really bad. They did something really, really bad. And then at, right after they left this bad activity that they did, they get into a car accident. They think, oh, you know what? Of course, because I just did that. The, who says? You can't, you, who can correlate to it? It could be something that happened uh, years ago that uh, God was waiting. God always waits uh, while you're alive. Your heart's beating you're, you're, you're able to breathe, you have the ability, you're able to, do, to repent, and you're able to, and God's waiting, God's waiting, God's very merciful, and he waits, and he waits, and he waits, and he waits, and says, please come back to me, come back to me, and after a while, there's, you know, there's the time's up, but, uh, but you never, you can never, you can never connect it to, because you never actually really know. So, the, um, now, the, the topic, which, which really what I want to focus today, one of the aspects of doing repentance is you have to know that you did something wrong. If you don't, if you didn't do, if you don't feel like you did anything wrong, right, imagine a relationship, right? So you have a husband and a wife, and they're in a fight. And the husband thinks that he did nothing wrong, right? Like general men, right? We think we're always right uh, until the woman tells us that we're wrong, and then we understand that we're wrong, and then we apologize, and then everything is good until we mess up again, right? General marriage uh, life. So you go, and uh, this guy thinks, I did nothing wrong, I'm not apologizing. The guy is not going to apologize until he feels that he did something wrong. And even if he apologizes, it's not really a real apology. And the same thing vice versa. When do you apologize? When do you, can you do real repentance? If you realize that you messed up and you did something wrong. So it's very important to know that you did something wrong. And how do you know that you did something wrong? You've got to learn. There are many things that people do throughout their, throughout their life that they think that they're, you know, they're, they're good. They're okay. Yeah, old things. That I, I, I still cannot understand it. Me and God, we have an understanding. We're tight. And I'm like, you know, God's not your brother. You know, I don't know what you think. You know, you didn't grow up in the same hood. You know, I, I, they, they speak like, like, me and God, we, we, got, we have an understanding. And I'm like, I wish I could have that type of understanding that you have with God. But, uh, you know, what it says that it's a lot is the type. Everybody has a connection with God. We're all single children to God. More than that, if you listen to him, you'll be good. You don't listen to him, not so good. Yeah, there's no, there's no, I mean, there's gray area. But in general, it, it's, it's, you keep the Torah. You're in a good place. You don't keep the Torah, you're not such a good place. So, when, you have to understand that you know that you're doing something wrong. So, one of the topics that we're going to be speaking about tonight is there are certain people that if, no matter what sin you do, you could erase it. Anything, any bad thing that you do, if you do tshuva properly, you could erase it. However, some people think, you know what, I'll wing it. You know, all right, whatever, I'll deal with it in the next world. So they think that, okay, they'll deal with it in the next world. The next world, when the time comes, then they'll, they'll you know, figure out their problems. The problem is, is that there are certain sins that we'll speak about tonight that you lose your share to the world to come. You come over to, to God, and God says, uh, not in here, buddy. Yeah, this place is locked. You lose your share. You lose. It says, every Jew has a share in the world to come. Except for there's 13 categories that we're going to speak about tonight that they don't have the share in the world to come. Yeah. What if the person makes this that is as long as they were sincere mm-hmm. and they really to one of the parties is not is not fall, is not sinning again however there's temptations and people fall again if they were really sincere when they did chuba when they did the repentance they're like you know what i'm not going to do this again i really i really want to, don't want to do it again and then they fall later yeah. so that was a new sin now 
they did repent of sin. I could explain it like this. Imagine somebody did a, um, a certain sin a thousand times. Mm-hmm. And then they realize about the, you know, this Tuvah process, and they do real Tuvah. They really, they really, really do the real stuff. And then two weeks later, they mess up again. Yeah. They don't have a thousand and one sins now. They have a thousand. They have one sin. They, they fix, as long as they really did real Tuvah. Obviously, you have to, part of the Tuvah process is continuous. And it's, and it's something that, that you know, we'll, we'll probably be speaking on throughout the, the course of the next time. But, but uh, many people, what they tell me is like, it's not, it's, I'm going to fall again. There's no point. And I'm like, wait, there's a point until you fall again. And you never know. The more you, you how do you know? How do you know that? There's somebody who wants to, um, he came over to me and he says, I want to do Tuvah. But uh, not yet. I, I need about a month. <laughs> and I wish I was joking. I wish I was joking. So I'm like, you know, what's, you know, why? Why can't you just do it right now? And he's like, no, no, no. I, I'm getting some payments from certain places. And, you know, I need, I need to work things out. But after a month, Tuba. He's like, can you help me out? Like, I, I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 say, well, you have this plan worked out with God, apparently. You know, one month, you know, you have time. Like, who says you have one month? But, uh, you know, he's just fine. You know, one month. Then the one month comes and he's like, all right. So I need money in a certain way. I'll give God four months. I'll give God four months. I'm not going to do this this way I made money. In four months, however, if I don't make the money that I was planning on making, had I made that, then, you know, I'll work at that. And I'm like, all right, this is, uh, this is a really, really shaky tuba, but, you know, it, at least it's something. At least you're trying to do something. That type of person, the question is, what should you do? Should I tell him to do tuba or just forget about it? It's not going to, you know, you know whatever. You're, you're obviously not doing it. It's not full tuba. And that person, and I hope I'm correct, but what I told him is, is all right, do, do something. At least for the four months, you, you know, you're not going to sin. Who knows what's going to happen then? Is it a real chubah? There, there's levels. Everything that comes in levels. You could do a partial chubah, complete chubah, and you could be a very little chubah. And the Chavot al-Babot, and Shariah Chubah speaks about, um, about uh, different things, and what Bozat Hashem speak about it. But that's the, the focus on, on, on tonight was more, is more like a, a how, how things that if you don't do chubah, you're really, you're really in a bad place. Now, many people, what they think is, all right, I got plenty of time. I got, you know, I'm still young. I'll do Shabbat, you know, when I got some grandkids. That's when I'm going to do Shabbat. So I want to share with you a story that um, not everybody has as much time as they, as they think. There was once uh, a woman in, in Bnei Barak. Bnei Barak, if anybody's from, not familiar with Israel, it's a very hot and humid place. And it's like right near Tel Aviv. So uh, one time there was an elderly woman on a hot summer day that just collapsed. And everybody starts screaming, you know, Hatala, please call, call the cops, call the ambulance, you know, something. She just passed out and fell on the floor. So they call the ambulance, the paramedics come, and they try to resuscitate her. They realize this, this condition is really serious, and they pack her up, and they put her on the bus, and they send her to the hospital. She gets into the hospital, and there was a, a religious doctor in charge of her, and he's, you know, he's checking up, and they, and they figure out that she had a massive heart attack. She had a massive heart attack in the, uh, on the street in Bnei Barak. So, you know, they do whatever they need to do, and then they go over to her once they see that she kind of, she kind of regained consciousness, and she says, and they tell her, um, you know, give up and miss, so what's your name? And she says, uh, my name is uh, Dina Weber, with like a barely whisper. And they say, do you have any uh, family member that we could call to tell you to come to, to down to the hospital? The doctor asks. So she thinks for a moment, and then she says, no, no family. So she's like, can you tell me where you live? Can you, can you give me some information that I could call somebody that maybe can come to you? So she gives her address. And the doctor took the address and went into his office. And by the way, you don't get this type of doctor that often. And he went for about an hour trying to figure out. He called all her neighbors, checked up the phone books, and who knew her? They found an, a couple that actually knew her, and they were actually nervous that she didn't come home from her walk. And they, uh, so, the, so the doctor said, can you please come down to the hospital? It's, you know, she had a massive heart attack, and she's an elderly woman, and it's not, looking, it's not looking that great. So they said, of course, and they made their way down to the hospital. 
they get down to the hospital. The doctors, uh, they, they talk to the to the patient, the, this this couple, and they're, you know they're just you know non you know like how's it going, how's everything, are you okay, are you feeling all right? The doctor's sitting over there. The second that they stop talking, the doctor calls them out, and they, these this two couple, and they say, listen, um, is there is there really no family for this uh, for this woman? So the husband of this couple thinks for a moment. and says, listen, the, you know the, her husband passed away a few years ago, and you know she did she had a son, but uh, they haven't spoken in years, and you know it's. She considers him dead. She literally considers him dead. I don't. There's nothing. So they're like the doctor said. Listen, you know, I don't know what the path that they had, but uh, this has to be solved now. She she doesn't have that much more time. So they call up. Uh, uh, this, uh, so he, go, he goes and he asks them. He says, um, Do you get, you have any information? You have his phone number. You have any information on this on the son? And they she then they tell him. They said we know nothing about him. All we know is his name is Mutti. Uh, Mutti. Uh, what was the last name I said? Mm-hmm. Weber. Thank you. You're with me more than I am. Mutti Weber, and he is an eye doctor from New York. That's all we know. So the doctor says, fine, no, I'll see what I can do. He calls all his associates in New York. He says, do you know an eye doctor by the name of Mutti Weber? They call for hours until he finally is able to contact this, uh, this person. And it just so happened that this eye doctor happened to be in Israel at that time for a doctor for a medical conference in, uh, in Tel Aviv, uh, which is about a half hour away from, uh, um, from where the hospital is. So he gets him on the phone, and he says, is this Mutti Weber, the eye doctor? And he says, yeah. And he says, uh, listen, uh, your mother's in the hospital. This is Dr. So-and-so from uh, this hospital, and uh, she had a massive heart attack. Can you please come down? So there's a long pause on the other line, and he says, um, I'm sorry, my, my schedule's really packed. I, I really don't think I can make it. So the doctor says, listen, I don't know what went on between you and your mother, um, but uh, she doesn't have much more time. He says, if you want to see her, this is the last chance that you're going to have to see her. So there's a deep sigh on the other end, and he says, I'll be there in a half hour. He comes in, uh, this, this, uh, this, doc, this eye doctor, Mutti, and he, sees, he speaks to the, doc, to the doctor before he actually sees his mother, and he, says, uh, he tells them, he says, listen, he says, she, served, she ha- suffered a massive heart attack, and, uh, you know, her organs are failing. She, doesn't, she literally has no time uh, left. You know, it's literally, it's going to be really soon. Go and say your final, you know, goodbyes. So he walks, he walks in and to the room, and he just stands by the door. And he sees his mother that he hasn't seen in years, all frail and old and wrinkly and white, that he has never, he hasn't spoken to her in years. And he starts, you know, swelling up with tears. And, you know, he walks over to her and he says, you know, Mommy, it, it, it's me, Mutti. And, you know, she was awake, but she didn't look at him. She just looked straight up uh, at, the, at the ceiling. And, you know, so she goes over closer, this Mutti goes over closer, and he holds his mother's hand and says, you know, Mommy, it, it's, it's me, your son, Mutti. And she turns away. She looks at the other. She looks like at the wall, and uh, she says, uh, "She said." And then, and then, you know, there's quiet. And suddenly, you know, the son goes again. and says, "He says, Ma, you know, it's your son. I'm here. I'm here, Muffy. I'm your son." And suddenly, her eyes swell up with tears, and she says, um, "I had a son. His name was Muffy, but many, many years ago, he died." He says, "I have. I'm no longer. I have, I have no son anymore." So he says, "No." She says, "Mommy, no, no. It's really. It's me. Look at me. It's me. It's your son." And, you know, there was, uh, there was a moment where, where the mother just, just sat and there was tears just falling down her eyes. And, uh, you know, she, she looks at him after a few minutes and she says, uh, Mutto, she says, do you know the pain that you caused us? She says, you know that you came after many, many years of child. We were childless for so many years until we were finally blessed with you. We were so happy. We gave you everything. We gave you the best of everything. You had the most amazing bar mitzvah. You had the, anything that you wanted, you gave it. We sent you to the best schools. We had such high hopes for you. And then, you know, you met a wrong group of friends. And you started hanging out with the wrong group of friends. 
It says, your father would always chase you with a pair of tefillin. It says, here, I beg of you, my son, please, just put on a pair of tefillin before, before it's too late, before it's the day's over. And you would just laugh at him. And then he says, please, just say shema. Don't put on tefillin, just say shema. And you would just shake him off and laugh at him. And eventually, when you turned 18, you went to live with your friends. And every Friday night, your father and I would wait up for the Friday night meal till late, late at night, hoping your father would say, maybe he would walk in the door. Maybe he would walk in the door and we could have a Friday night meal together as a family. And... For months and months at end, you never showed up. Never, never came. Then she goes on, she says, I'll never forget, there's one era of Yom Kippur, that your father woke up at 2 a.m. And he came and he said, uh, and, I, and I woke up and I said, you know, where are you going? And he says, um, I'm going to bless my son. It said, there's, a, there's a custom that every Yom, every Yom Kippur, you go and you bless your children. So the mother said, you know, like, leave it, it's, don't, don't bother with it. And he made up his mind and he's going to go. And he went and he traveled all night to get to your kibbutz, that you live very, very far away. All night he traveled to get to you. Then there was a security guy, there was already a chaladiyah, there's a religious looking man, he didn't want to let you in. So your father went and bribed the security guy to let you in. And he comes into your, into your room where you're hanging out, and he comes into you and your friends, and he sticks out his hands and he says, come my son, I want to bless you. And all you and your friends did is just laugh at this old man. And you wouldn't even let him come and bless his own son. The guy that brought you into this world, you wouldn't even give him one, one last thing that he asked for, is just for a blessing, and you wouldn't give it to him. And uh, he tried, and he saw that he failed, so he left. And he came home just a few minutes before, uh, before Yom Kippur. And he came, and he said, I lost my son. my son. My son died. I lost him. And he said he didn't, he started crying then, and he didn't stop crying until the Yom Kippur finished. And he said that, he says that a few months later, he passed away. And she goes over to him and says, you killed him. You killed your father. And says, so not only that, you didn't even show up to his funeral. You didn't even say Kaddish for him. You didn't do anything for him. We had to go and find somebody else to say Kaddish for him. So, now she goes and says, somebody now comes and tells me, has a, I have a son named Mati. She says, I had a son. I had a son long ago named Mati. But I don't, I, he's not here anymore. So then, you know, this, this eye doctor, he's, he's already boiling at this point. You know, he's like, he's like, he's like mommy, please, I, I beg of you, forgive me. I was foolish. I was young. I was, you know, I was... Just forgive me. Give, me. give me another chance. Please, this is the last chance that I'll ever have to, to ask you for forgiveness. I am begging you. I was wrong. Please forgive me. So the mother goes and she goes to him and she says, um, you know, her breaths are already getting, you know, labored. And she goes over to him and she says, uh, Mati, I see that you really want forgiveness. I see that you really, you really want it. You really want this. So she says, I can't I can forgive you for almost everything. She says, but there's one thing I cannot forgive you. And then you hear him, you know, he's gasped. And she's like, he says, I cannot forgive you that after so many years of being childless, you made me childless again. And for that, I cannot forgive you. And with that final words, she passed away. And he goes and he screams, no, mommy, no. And he's screaming at her, please. But it was too late. Mutti did not, was, did not have a chance to go ask his mother for forgiveness. There are many people that they think, you know what? I'll get forgiveness. I'll ask God for forgiveness for all the sins that I did. And they push it off and they push it off. But they don't have the chance. There was a funeral today for an 18, if I'm not mistaken, 18-year-old kid that got hit in a car accident. Completely healthy kid, walking in the start of the road, some guy went and hit him. Some uh, retired or whatever police officer went and hit him. Another guy in, in critical uh, uh, condition. People think that they have all the time in the world, but what we don't realize is not always do we have all the time that we have. Repentance is not something for the future. Repentance is for right now. Repentance is not only for when Yom Kippur comes and that repentance has to start right now. Every single day you have to go and you have to feel like you're repentant. You want to get up to the next world. You, want to, you don't want to be, oh my God, I'm too late. I can't believe it. I just messed it up. There are, there are many things that we're going to speak tonight. And um, even though it's getting a little bit late. The things that I want to speak about tonight, the, fo- the following things I want to speak tonight is that people, that they think that they have more time, that some, there are some sins... For example, that if you mess up, 
you have a maximum prison sentence in hell for 12 years, 12 months. That's it. After 12 months, you're clean and you go into the, your next place. Then there's another category of sins called karet, which we spoke about a few uh, weeks ago. Karet, you, you get cut off. You get cut off. God cuts you off. Then there is even worse, what we're going to speak about tonight, is the people that go and they, they uh, lose their share in the world to come. Now, karet, what's the difference between karet and, and the category that we're speaking tonight? Karet, you, you get cut off. In this category that we're speaking over here tonight, is not only do you get cut off from God, but you also suffer eternal retribution. You also suffer eternal punishment. So obviously not somewhere where anybody ever wants to be. So let's go on and begin the, um, the, the, the list. And again, the more you realize it. Now, most of these things, people... Yeah? So they're like just done? They just did it, they can give up? So people get rewarded for everything that they do, and they get punished for everything they do. Two separate, two separate things. Just because someone did this doesn't mean that they should just, you know. So there's a, there's an argument to what goes on in that. How, what does that mean? Does that mean uh, so it is forever? But there's some people that uh, that uh, some commentary, commentaries. What they say is that hell stops at a certain point. Hell gets shut off when the Shia comes after the, after the, the Olam Abba, Hell gets uh, cut off. So those people that even if they, according to that, that commentary, even if they don't go into hell and they get out of hell, they still suffer eternal embarrassment. So there's never such a thing as it's done. First of all, all these things that we're going to speak about tonight, even if someone did every single one of them, they could still do repentance. And then they, they, they cleanse it. You could still do two eyes on anything, even these things. Even these things. Now most of these things, it's not applicable to, to many people. Even people that are not religious, it's really not so applicable, these things. But it's very important to learn, and it's just important to see that there are certain things that you just re- refrain from. Uh, number one, this is, by the way, if anybody wants to look it up, the source for this is the Rambam. In in chapter 3, he speaks about, I think it begins in, in, the, in the sixth halakha, he speaks about these uh, 13 categories, which ends up being it's about 24 uh, people, uh, which, whatever, if you, if you separate each one. So the first thing is, if a person does not believe in the resurrection of the dead, the person says, ah, that's never going to happen. People are going to come back from the ground. What is a zombie? Accompli-? You know, it's not going to happen. That's all nonsense. Somebody who doesn't believe in that has no share in the world to come. And I, I spoke to somebody, uh, I spoke to, I said this class over, you know, one time, and somebody, you know, was like, uh, well, um, uh, I, don't, I don't believe that. I'm like, um, there's certain things you should tell the public, and there's certain things you should not tell the public. That's just one thing after expressing what I said, you should not tell the public. But being that, you know, you did say it, the, what you have to realize is that, you know, what's, it's a thought. It's a thought. It's a belief. What do you lose from believing it? What do you, you don't lose anything. Okay, believe it. Yeah, believe it. It's going to happen. It says in the law, it's going to happen. What are you going to start losing and saying, you know what, well, it's not going to happen? You lose your share of the world to come. It's a, it's a lose-lose situation. It makes no sense. The next thing is somebody who rebels against God. What does it mean to rebel against God? You have a table of kosher food. You have a table of non-kosher food. Same steak, cooked the same way, tastes the same exact thing. And you see this kosher steak and you see this non-kosher steak. It says a big, nice sign, kosher, non-kosher. And you go to the non-kosher. Why? Because I'm going to show. There's a big rabbi sitting over there. You're like, oh, you see? Look, I'm not blowing up. Oh, it's delicious. And you know, and you go and you do that to rebel against God, no share in the world to come. Somebody who rebels against, uh, uh, against God, sins for, to rebel against God. The next category is known as a minim. Minim, a mean, is somebody, it, it's, it's uh, loosely, I guess you could translate it, an atheist. Um, there, but it's, but it, there are five categories in this section. Number one is somebody who says that there is no God. There's no such thing as God. And there's no God, there's no ruler, there's nothing. This whole world came as a big bang or whatever other story that they like to make up and, you know, whatever it is that they say. Now, it's, it's very unfortunate because there are many, many Jewish people that actually, you know, they, they're disconnected. They're disconnected from God, they're disconnected from the religion, uh, you know, and they don't believe. They don't believe. You know, I've, I've spoken to many atheists, unfortunately. Many, many atheists. And uh, the biggest problem is, is that an atheist, in order to be a real atheist, you know, to call yourself a nice professional atheist, you have to actually prove something. How do you prove that there's not a God? You, you can't. 
You can't prove it. You can, it's also very difficult to prove the other way around. Right? We, we, well, we'll speak about that and, uh, you know, how do, how do you know that there's an existence of God and, you know, there's different methods of, of actually going through that. But for, for a regular atheist, that means that you study the Torah. You know everything about religion and you want to prove it all wrong. And most people that, are, that they consider themselves atheists know nothing about religion. And if they know, they are, they're completely misunderstood. They mis- misunderstood the entire, the entire concept. So, the, uh, you know, there was once, uh, I, I know somebody who had a friend who was, an, who was, uh, who was atheist. And um, uh, he actually came to my class once. And uh, we had a very nice, uh, you know, argument. And after, a few months after that, his father passed away. And his friend, which brought him to, to the class that I came, goes over to a big rabbi and he says, listen, I have a friend who's an atheist, he just passed away. his father just passed away, and he passed away in a very compromising situation also. It was not like a, you know, a, you know very honorable way to, to, to pass away. And he, he goes over to, to this rabbi and he says, what can I tell him now? Like, what can I tell him? His father passed away, I'm going to pay a shibakal, I'm going to pay respects. What can I tell him to, you know, maybe to help him? So the rabbi said something and he wasn't able to do it. The rabbi says, uh, he goes over to him and he says, uh, tell him, where do you think his father is right now? What does he think he's doing right now? Where's your father? Down on the six feet under, just turning into a plant? So what do you think your father's doing right now? So um, the guy was like, uh, listen, you know, I'm going to pay. I wasn't going to start screaming about where his father is right now. I'm going to pay a show. How am I going to do that? So he wasn't able to pull it off. He wasn't able to actually, actually do it. But the rabbi's right. Well, what, do you, what do people actually think that's going to happen in the next world? And what, what happens, let's say you're a nice, strong believer in atheism. And uh, you die, not you, somebody else is a strong believer in atheism. And the guy goes and he dies. And uh, turns out that he was wrong. Yeah, all right. Say, oh, look, yeah, there is a heaven. All right. All right, God, I, uh, sorry, I guess I was wrong. What do you think? God's going to be like, ah, don't worry about it. I'll just come in, you. Yeah, yeah, I like you always. Yeah, I want you to come in. People think, oh, yeah, it's going to be all right over there. It doesn't work that way. And he, someone who doesn't believe it, and that's it, he's done, cut off, gone. Unless he does chuvah, unless he does actually repentance. There are many people, and I want to tell you, I want to share with you this story. This story was, uh, was said over by a, a real atheist, a professional atheist. It, was, uh, it actually was said over by, by a rabbi who this atheist came over to. This rabbi, his name was Rabbi Haber. <coughs> This rabbi goes, and um, he was preparing Friday, one Friday afternoon for his class, uh, for his uh, lecture that he was going to give on Shabbat, I'm sorry. And he's preparing, and suddenly the phone rings on, uh, on you know, Friday afternoon right before Shabbat. The whole place is crazy. Everyone's trying to get ready for, for the Shabbat. And the phone rings, and there's a guy that answers, uh, that's on the other line says, hi, is this uh, Rabbi Haber? So he says, yes. He says, hi, the, my name is Max Rose. Um, you know, I got your number for, uh, from somebody else. I, I have something really important. Can I, can I speak to you? So he says, uh, yeah, not a problem. I'll come to my office on Sunday. So the guy was like, you know, it sounded very urgent in his voice. And he says, no, 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 it, it can't wait. It has, to be, uh, has to be to, it has to be today. So he says, you know, he, the rabbi heard the urgency in his voice. He says, all right, you know, come, come over to my house right now. So he figures, you know, until that guy comes, I'll prepare a little bit. And the guy hangs up and he makes his way over. The rabbi, meanwhile, was trying to prepare anything. Before you know, there's a knock on the door. He opens the door, there's, there's a, you know, this guy, six foot five, you know, big looking guy, you know, blonde here secular to the bone and he's like hi uh, you know max saber we spoke on the phone mm-hmm. and he's like you know uh, you know i don't recognize you from any of the you know do you come to the synagogue i've never recognized you and he's like no no i'm not a i'm not a congregant but uh, you know i got your number from uh, some of my neighbors i've been going through a difficult situation i, I wanted to speak to you about it so he said all right please come, come to my study he goes he sits down he sits down in the study and um he says um this guy starts speaking and he says uh, you know rabbi i'm, I'm an atheist so the rabbi says Congratulations, you know, very nice. I don't know what you're doing here if you're an atheist, but uh, so he says, you know, Rabbi, you don't understand. He says, I'm a professional atheist. <laughs> so he says, very nice. I, I didn't. He, and then, the, then he goes, he says, I teach at Rockland Community College. I think it's Rockland. Atheism classes. I teach. I write. I wrote books on atheism. 
So the rabbi says, then what brings you to the rabbi on Friday afternoon? So he says, uh, you know, this morning I got a phone call from my doctor and they notified him that he has pancreatic cancer. And pancreatic cancer is almost zero chance of survival and it progresses very, very quickly. So the rabbi says, you know, I'm sorry, what is it that you want? What can I help you with? So he says, um, I want to pray. So he says, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to do. So the rabbi goes and he says, do you like 100% believe that there's no God? Or is there like a 5% chance, a possibility that there's a possibility of a God? So he thinks for a moment and he says, yeah, 5% chance there is a God. So the rabbi goes and says, I want you to picture this. Picture a window that is open only 5%. And I want you to go and direct, you just pray through that window. So this guy goes and he mentally, he closes his eyes and he puts himself in that situation. And after like two minutes, he suddenly, you know, he suddenly, you know, like he feels his eyes swell up and he suddenly opens up. He's like, I can pray. He's like, this is amazing. I can pray. And then he freezes for a second. He says, but, but wait a minute. What, what, I don't know what to say. What is, how does an atheist pray to God? So he says, uh, he says, do you know Tehillim? Do you know Psalms? So uh, he says, you know, I, I know how to read a little bit Hebrew, you know, when I went to had a bar mitzvah. So the rabbi took off, uh, uh, you know, Tehillim, and he handed it over to him, and he opened up his Tehillim, and he says, and he said, let's, let's pray together. And they started praying together. And this Max Rose, this atheist, he says, he, you know, he used to hold so many, like, you know, ancient books and all these things in his studies, you know, in his tenure as a college professor. But never once had he ever shaken, like, and he was so nervous when he held that Tehillim. And he took that, that Tehillim and he started praying together with the rabbi. And for about 10 minutes they went and they prayed. And after they finished uh, uh, praying, they, the rabbi said, he said, listen, you know, it's, it's nice that you know how to pray, but, you know, you don't have that much time left. He says, I think that me and you, we should learn every single day for 15 to 20 minutes. So this atheist, this Max Rose, said, you know what, I like that. I like it a lot. So the rabbi says, what is it that you want to learn? So he said, um, he thought for a minute and he says, you know what, I have to think about it. You know, it's a, it's a heavy thing. Let me think about it and I'll, I'll get back to you. So he calls him after Shabbat and he says, I want to learn the laws of repentance. He says, you know, I, I realize I don't have so much time left in this world. I really want to lo- learn the laws of repentance. So the says, perfect. We'll learn the laws of the Rambam on El Chot which is what we're planning to do also. So he goes and he says, um, excellent. Start coming every day. They, they set a time. Every day you would come in for 15, 20 minutes. They would learn in Chot laws of repentance. And the rabbi was very fascinated. This guy was a very, very, very smart man. He, he grasped the concepts very, very quickly and was able to ask very intriguing questions. And, it, you know, it, was really, it went really well. But Thank you. So the, um, after, after a while, you know, they're learning to repent. And while he's learning repentance, he's still teaching college about atheism. So he's teaching about atheism in the day. You know, it's like, you know, by, by daytime he is a professor. By nighttime he's, you know, solving crime. You know, by, night, by daytime he's teaching falsehood. By nighttime he's learning the truth. And he continued this for, for quite some time. And the rabbi so slowly, he slowly got sicker and sicker. And it was very, very obvious that, you know, it was getting closer. And uh, they, they came to a certain part about the repentance. The Maimonides says that in order to complete full repentance, you have to be in the same position, at the same test, with the same everything. And this time you'd pass it. Which means that you are, you are in the same situation that you failed, failed last time. You are in that same situation again, and this time you didn't fail. So the guy says, the guy says, how do I, I don't have that chance of all the sins I did all my life. How am I going to have the chance of going back to, you know, I don't have that much time left. So the rabbi says, you know, it's a good, uh, it's a good question. I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. So um, he, call, he, goes, he goes home and he calls the rabbi a few days later and then he says, I got it. And he says, uh, you know, it's been already a few weeks that I couldn't teach in college anymore because my, my health has been failing me. And he says, but uh, I'm going to call the college and I'm going to tell them I want to give my last class before he dies. It's going to be called the last class. 
for sure sold out uh, sold out auditorium. So the big atheist, the last class before he dies, he wants to give. And they're going to for sure grant it to me. And in that class, I'm going to go and disprove everything that I ever taught. And I'm going to prove God. So the rabbi said, that's an excellent idea. Good luck. <laughs> he, so he goes and he arranges his class and he, you know, the students packed in. Everything was, was jam-packed. They're thinking, you know, the last you know, class before a person dies, let's see how much he really believes in his atheism. And they, they're picturing this, like, you know, withered guy in a wheelchair, roll up in a very raspy voice. And he does come, he shows up in a wheelchair and he shows up very, you know, very, very sick, very that. But the second he starts speaking, he spoke the most fire, the most enthusiasm that he ever spoke before. And he went and he started proving on the entire class that everything that I told you was false. There's a God. Of course, there's a God. Look outside. Look at the trees. Look at everything here. Look at your bodies. There's of course there's a God. There has to be a God. And for an entire hour, he was sitting there and screaming about them with such enthusiasm, proving to them that everything he said was false. And about a few weeks after he gave that class, he goes over to the rabbi and says, "Listen, I don't know if I changed anybody, but one thing is, I did what I could, what I, what I could have done." And a few weeks later, he went and he passed away. He returned his soul to his maker. And this rabbi went and spoke by his funeral. And this rabbi said, "Max Rose, this person died as a great Jew." There's always hope for Tuba. There's always a hope for repentance. But don't wait until that last day. Don't wait until the last time where you can't do it anymore. Or the last time when it's, where it might be too late, God forbid. So atheism, even though it's one of the worst things that you could do, not believe in God, there's always, there's always hope for you. There's always hope that you could go and you could still come back. And if you just open your eyes, atheism is very interesting as, as atheism versus a believer, right? It's all in you. you. If you want, you could see God in everything. If you don't, you could see God in nothing. You could see, at the same thing, I, I once spoke to somebody, um, somebody asked me to speak to a certain person, and this person went through so many troubles in his life. I, I didn't even want to tell you all the, the bad things, but anything that you ever heard about or possibly, he's been doing done that, and everything from abuse to everything, everything, everything. And I'm like thinking, okay, what am I going to speak to him about? You know, so I figured, speak to him about that there is a God. So, you know, I prepared this whole thing that I'm going to speak to him about, and I go, um, um, you know, so, you know, there is, a, there is a, you know, I expect him, when I start, I'm like, you know, there is, there is a God out there. And he goes, he's like, oh yeah, for sure, 100%, of course there's a God. And I was like, wow, that was the quickest hour I've ever had. You know, and he's like, he's like, what do you mean, look at this bush, of course there's a God. This person that went through so many troubles in his life, not religious, not nothing, but he knew that there's a God, because he was able to see it. You could see God, and you could not see God, it's your choice, you have free will to see it. But if you really want to see it, you'll see God in everything, you'll see God in a beautiful leaf. How's this water? You can see God in H2O. You get the fact that you could drink this, but you can't drink salt water. The fact that it's changed that it has in your body. The fact that there's a tree that grows by itself in the middle of the ocean, underground. It's unbelievable the way the world works. That was just a little tip there so I could get my drink in. All right. So the next, the next thing, moving on, is, is the next category of, of a meme is somebody who accepts that there is a ruler. There is a God. He says, but there's two of them, or three, or more, or whatever it is, right? So some people like to call it a trinity, or whatever that they decide to they call they have no share in the world to come. The next is somebody who says there is a God, but he has a body. It looks like a big white old man with a white beard and wavy blonde hair, you know, blowing on and while he's riding his chariot of white horses. Whatever they, they picture, that has no share in the world to come. God is not, does not have a form. And it says the Rambam, meaning the Koti, so they have to lot. He says that there, there are a lot of times in the Torah that speaks about the Yad God has a strong hand, God, and, and speaks about, uh, it, it speaks about anthropomorphic references of God. Says the Rambam, all those anthropomorphic references of God is only, to, is only metaphors for his sp- spiritual qualities, but not that he actually has any physical form. God has no form. And when you're praying to God, you, you don't picture a form. You picture either nothingness or you picture you can, okay, there's certain things that you can picture, but there's one thing that you cannot picture, that you're speaking to somebody, a person, uh, in, in a thing. Make sense? That's very important also when we pray. The, the next category, also in the category of the meaning, which is the fourth, is he says that uh, there is a God, but he wasn't the first one. You know, there's levels, and there's, you know, the, he dies, and there's another one that comes about. There's, he wasn't the first, and he wasn't the last. 
That also has no share in the world to come. And the last one in the category of Minim is somebody who serves a star or an intermediary, right? He serves somebody because he feels that he can't connect to God, right? The, 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 he needs to serve the sun because the sun is the one that's going to connect him to God. Or he serves a certain rabbi. He actually prays to this rabbi to serve him so that because through him he's going to get to God, right? That's all, uh, that's all in, the, in the category of Minim and in the category of Allah, they have no share in the world to come. Now, you know, it's very interesting. How, how does idolatry start? Idolatry started in the generation of Enos, which was pretty close to the beginning of the creation. What happened was is that, um, you know, they realized God's awesomeness. It's so crazy. How, how do we relate to God? So they said, you know what? Let's honor the things that God honored. God put the sun in the, in the heavens, the stars in the heavens, the moon in the heavens. Let's honor them. And in essence, we're honoring God. Their, their thought process makes a lot of sense. If, let's say, somebody, a king sends a governor to, to your country, and you go over there, and let's say you're, whatever, providence. When you're honoring the governor, you're really honoring the king, right? Because you're showing honor to that. So they thought, also, okay, we're going to honor the, the stars. We're going to honor the moons. And in essence, we're really honoring God. An extension of God. Yeah, it's an extension of God. The problem is, is that started like that. And then they forgot about God. And they started praying just to the sun, just to the moon, just to the stars. And eventually it went down, 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 down until they started praying to animals. And, still, they, they did, you know, and it, went, it went on. Those types of people who serve idol worship, all these types of people that think that they can't connect to God, all that through that. And they have no share in the world to come. They have no share in the world to come if they die without repentance. They're done. The next uh, category is apikolos. Apikolosim is three categories in this. Is number one is somebody who feels that there's there's no there's God and there's, he believes in God, but there's the humans and God cannot. There's no such thing as prophecy. God cannot interact with us. God stays up there. He doesn't really care about us. He'll let the world to run the way it is. That type of person also has no share in the world to come. Then there's another level where a person says, you know, specifically about Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu. says that everything that Moshe said, he made up. You know, that's, that's not true. That person also is in this category of Apikos. And the last one, which is actually very important, says God doesn't care what you do. God doesn't, he doesn't know what you do. He doesn't, he's not aware of the deeds of man. Somebody who feels that God doesn't know he's, a, he's aware of the deeds of man has no share in the world to come. Which is, by the way, if you ever hear of the 13 principles of faith, right? The 13 Imamim. It, most of them are all from here. If you just you flip it over. Is Aristotle, or Aristotle is a good question. I, I, he was originally an atheist. Um, um, God, I don't know. He believed. Yeah, the um, there was some rabbi who once said that he was the most wicked of all atheists because he had such a genius of a brain that he knew that there was a God. He was he knew, but he went against it. He because he was such a genius that you're able to find out. Even Einstein at the end of this, that he was able to prove that there is a God or something like that. Isaac Newton learned Kabbalah. If I'm not mistaken, I don't know. But, but the, there are people here that they're really, 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 really the real smart people of the world. They 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 realize there's something else going out there. They realize there's spiritual energy. There's something going out there that they can't explain. So those people that they know and they still don't. They have a lot, lot more to answer to, but you knew. You, God gave you such a strong head. You know, imagine Einstein would have, been, would have learned Kamala. You know what he would have brought to the world? And what? So what? E equals MC squared. Thank you very much. Yeah, very good. So you helped build whatever that there's. I don't know if he, it was because of him. It was an atomic bomb or a nuclear bomb or something like that. All right, so... What do you do? You know, people, you know, people it's, it's really unfortunate because somebody who has a good head, somebody who's very smart... Has a, he has a lot to, somebody who has a lot of potential, somebody I once, once I said last week to speak about potential, the more potential that you have, the more when you come over to God, at the end of the day to God, be like, I gave you so much power. You had, you had the ability to speak. You had the ability to comfort people. You had the ability to do so much good. But you smoked weed all day. What were you doing? What were you doing wasting your life? You watched so many TV shows in your life. What, you, you know what you could have accomplished? So the next, uh, the next category is, uh, is people, there are three individuals who deny the law. To deny the, the, the aspect of the, the essence of the Torah. Either, number one, somebody who says the whole Torah is legit. I believe the whole Torah except for one word. One word? 
Yeah, that, this is fake. Oh, this guy, they, they just added in there. To, to somebody who believes that, who believes that, no share in the world to come. The second category is somebody who says the oral law doesn't exist. It's, it's all made up by rabbis. They came and they made it up. So people ask me, um, okay, you're not allowed to do this. That's right. Is it rabbinical or biblical? So I'm like, it makes no difference. You still not allowed to do it. They're like, no, no, no. The, the rabbis, you know, whatever, they exaggerate, they make things up. and they, they make, The rabbinical law and the Torah law, are the, they're both of equal importance. You're not, and in fact, People, you know what? People think that what came first, the written law came first, but really the oral law came first. When God gave them Moses the Torah, it was all orally. When did it become written? Only 40 years later, after when Moses was about to die, that's when he wrote it down. Until then, it was all transmitted orally. And then it went down into, into writing, and then it came into written law, and then the oral law that we have is basically an explanation of that written law. And that's why it says in there, there's a chapter, there's a pasuk in Exodus, chapter 24, verse 12. It says, there's Torah and Mitzvah. Torah is the written law. Mitzvah is the oral law. So it's just a, a proof from, uh, from that. The, the next category, which, which is unfortunately, I, I hope but the, that we don't have a lot of uh, people in that category, but the, it seems like there is, is people that say that uh, you know, God replaced one Mitzvah with for another Mitzvah. Or he says, this Mitzvah doesn't apply anymore. Right? It's someone who nullifies the original Torah. The Torah says, you know, how to light a match on Shabbat, and they say, ah, it's okay now. Now it's okay. Back then, you know, when you had to ride with rocks and this and that, there was a lot of work. But now it's a match, you're allowed to do it. Don't worry about it. You know, drive a car in Shabbat, you're allowed to do it. Don't worry about it. You know, they say all these things, right? You look at reform and conservative, right? Everything is allowed. I, I don't know what's, if there's any restrictions, because they marry men to men, as far as I know. They marry also men to dog, uh, women to dog. They marriage to animals also that they do. There was a, other, this is ridiculous that I couldn't believe this picture that I saw. There were two men, Jewish men, I don't know how Jewish they really are, but they're, they're considered Jewish, they're wearing a nice kippot, riding a white horse down an aisle in a, in a temple, of the Reform temple. This horse had this like fake unicorn. And they were riding down towards their canopy because they were going to get married to each other, you know, by, by uh, Rabbi Ellen, you know, who's going to perform her, the, this, you know, between two. And they say this is Torah. This, you're calling this Judaism? The Torah says it's an abomination. I don't know how they could explain it. Oh, Shabbat, don't worry about it. It's okay. We'll sing with a choir with nice men and women together. We have an organ playing just like that we took from the church. So it will be beautiful. You can sit nice together, hold hands in hands with your old boyfriend and the old Christine. And, and you know, you go with uh, Christopher and you'll hold together and you sing for, for that. And they think that this is a Torah. They, and I really, I really feel bad. I mean, there's really a lack of knowledge on their part. They just don't know. They don't know how, how ridiculous is what it is. I'm like, you're changing everything. There's one thing that never changes, and that's the Torah. The Torah always stays. It stays exactly the same. You're not allowed to light a, sh- a cigarette on Shabbat. You're not allowed to light a match on Shabbat. You're not allowed to use your phone on Shabbat. Also, electricity it uses heat. It releases heat. There's all these different types of things that people go and, and say, okay, this is not allowed, but this is okay. No. When you become a rabbi and you're able to really, uh, then there's one thing. But just saying things out of, you know, your whatever you figure out doesn't mean that it's, that it's real. People... I have people that I've spoken to that they say, like, I won't drive into, I won't work on Shabbat. But use a phone. How is this working? How, you know, you know, they couldn't even explain to me anything. You know, and I'm like, no, I'm like, first of all, I don't understand that language. And second of all, no, it doesn't work that way. First of all, if you, even if you want, I could go and trace it back. Anything that has electricity is releases energy. Releases energy, releases heat. Force is equal work time distance. And anything, if you look at any, you speak to any chemist or any physicist, any work that's done, you release the energy. Any electricity, you have some heat going on. Right? Just some heat. Yeah, even if you have the, 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 the lowest type of thing that doesn't have it, it still has some minuscule of heat. It's already creating fire. 
So already, besides all the other skins that you could possibly have, have a value. But anyway, um, moving on. The next, uh, the next category is somebody who is a mumal. A mumal, there's two categories. Mumal means, uh, I think it loosely translated as apostate. Um, is somebody that goes and says, um, there's two categories. There's one, there's a mumal for one mitzvah, and there's a mumal for the whole tulah. And I'll explain it. A mumal for one mitzvah means that he keeps the entire tulah, or she keeps the entire tulah, except for one thing. Ah, that's uh, not for me. They keep everything, but like, they, everybody knows, and publicly, they don't, they don't do this thing. For a man, it's, uh, I'll use this example, they shave with a razor, right? They'll do everything. They'll keep Shabbat, they'll learn all day, but I need a baby face, Rabbi. But you know, he's a baby, you know? I'm like, the baby face is going to melt really quickly someplace, somewhere, sometime, real soon. You know, what do you mean baby face? What do you need? There's so many good shavers out there that you don't need to use a razor. No, no, you don't know the difference. You know, the, I'm like, uh, who's touching your face that you, I, I really don't understand. Right? Maybe I know I'm not in that, I, I, you know, I can't understand it. But there are people that they can't, they need to shave with a razor. I'm like, why? Why? Just use a regular thing. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt you anymore. You, have a, you get a really close shave without, without a, a razor. But no, they're going to go and they're going to be doctor, they're going to do it. And it's very important. Rambam says, why they do this? They do this just to anger God. They do this as a rebellion, as a rebellion. Somebody sins, one sins, on purpose, to rebel against God, they are in the category of Mumat, and they have no share in the world to come. There is, and then there's a category of somebody who has, um, uh, you know, their Mumat for the entire Torah, which means that they convert it to another religion. They say, listen, the Jews are not working out too well for them now. Um, Christianity is up and rising. I'm going to go with the winning side. And he goes, and, he, and, he, and, he, and that's, that's a person that's considered a Mumat for the entire Torah. The difference is with the Gemara Pulin that says that if the, the difference would be that in the time of the death of Migdal, if, if there was a, a Mumat for one, just one mitzvah, he kept everything else, but one thing he didn't do, if he wanted to bring a sacrifice, he accepted it. But if there was the other, the other scenario, we wouldn't accept it. We wouldn't accept it. At, uh, if, if somebody was a mumaf in the Torah, we wouldn't accept it. The next category is extremely, extremely important. It is called machfit arabim. Somebody that causes other people to sin. And this is probably one of, I would say, the, such a, I can't say it's the most important, but it's such a big problem nowadays, causing other people to sin. Somebody who causes other people to sin have no share in the world to, world to come. And an example that I'll give, and it's really meant for, for Mahkita Rabim, uh, causing many people to sin, but let's use a single example because it's easy to understand. There's some guy who decides he's going to Atlantic City to gamble. You're not allowed to gamble. You're not supposed to gamble. You know, flat out, no. But he decides he's going to go and he's going to gamble. Obviously, there's depth to this, and if you speak to your local Orthodox rabbi, and, you know, in certain scenarios, but in the general idea is you're not allowed to. And he decides he's going to Atlantic City, and he's going to go, and uh, he doesn't want to go alone, because he's not a loner, and he's got friends. Yeah, he's got, like, about, you know, a thousand Facebook friends. So he goes, and he messaged one of his friends, and he says, hey, uh, buddy, I'm going to Atlantic City to gamble. You want to join me? So he's like, uh, what's Atlantic City? He's like, uh, what, no, there's a casino over there. He's like, uh, what's a casino? He's like, are you kidding me? He's like, you go to gamble. He's like, what's gambling? He's like, where do you live, man? He's like, he's like, come here. I'll show you a life that you've never seen before. And he takes him along under his wing, this, this mentor, and he brings him to this uh, casino. Uh, yeah. What if it's something the other people did too? Like, let's say a friend invited right. him. Right. Like, and you're, his not friends out to eat in McDonald's. It's still causing other people to sin, because it's a sin every single time. And, and I'll get, I'll, I'm going to use that example in a, in a wedding, next example. No, you have non in the wedding, so it's a very good example. So um, he goes and he says, he shows him all the ropes for the gambling. So this is blackjack, this is roulette, you know, uh, this is uh, poker. And this guy is like fascinated. And he's like, you mean so I could, I could win money from this? I could make, and he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, of course you could win money. And this guy goes and, uh, you know, the person who brought him, you know, he spent, you know, three hours there, lost all his five dollars that he came with, and he says, you know what, and then the other guy, he's like wired, he's like wide awake, and he has like chips over here, he's already made two grand, and he's like, yo, uh, buddy, I'm ready to go, you want to come? He's like, no, 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 no
Ten hours, he's at the casino. People could stay there for 24 hours. They could, I don't know how. They sit there, they don't see the light of day. You know, casinos, they don't have windows for a reason. Mm-hmm. Right? So you don't see when it's getting late. I don't know if even if they have clocks. Um, constantly bringing you drinks, a lot of smoke, whatever you want to do. So he goes and he gets addicted, this guy. This guy gets addicted to, to this gambling. And he leaves, he won $7,000 that day. And he's like, I can't, why don't you tell me this earlier? This is amazing. So he, this guy, the next week, the next weekend, he calls the, the guy who won the money, the new gambler. He calls up the old gambler and he says, hey, I'm going to Atlanta City. You want to come? He's like, no, 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 I can't, I can't go tonight. He's like, all right. He goes, spends another whole night there. This time he lost two grand. He's like, all right, I'm still up five. And then every week he starts going back. And it takes only a half a year until he meets a few sharks and uh, borrows a few money because he lost everything. And uh, he's a half a million dollars in debt. So now the sharks go and they take his house, they take his business, they take everything. And his wife's like, what's going on with you? I, like, I don't see you for the weekends. Uh, wh- wh- where are you going? What's going on? And, uh, you know, he's stressed out. He's losing all his money. And she finds out that he's gambling away all their life savings. And she's like, are you kidding me? This is a college fund for the kids and this and this. And she says, you know what? I'm leaving you. I'm done. I'm going to leave you crazy. And she leaves him. And the kids leave him. And the business. And he's done. And then eventually, not only that, he goes and he's like, you know, what's with the religion? And he throws everything away. Who does he have to thank after 120? This, this, you know, this person who didn't want to go alone to Atlantic City because he brought this person. This person caused this other person to sin. Somebody who causes many people to sin, they have no share in the world to come. The example I want to use next is let's say you go to, you, you have a wedding. And, uh, you know, somebody came to, you know, told me, invited me to a wedding. And um, he says, don't worry about it. There's going to be a kosher table. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't understand what that means. Uh, you, you mean there's going to be a separate table? Just, he's like, no, kosher food. And I'm like, what about the other tables? And he's like, he's like, no, you know, come on, <laughs> you know, we we weddings, we gotta have the shrimp, we gotta have the seafood, man. Come on, Rabbi, you can't, you can't throw a wedding like that. And I'm like, you're an idiot, you're a fool. What are you doing? You're causing, you're going. You have a non-kosher wedding. You have mixed dancing. You have, uh, um, you know, non-kosher food. You have all these sins that are happening. All thanks to you. Go to the chatan and kala. You come in with a lot of blessing into your marriage. People are so nervous about evil eyes, so nervous about different things. You know, they want to start the marriage right. You know, don't, don't step first over the threshold. You know, she has to step first on this, and that's throw souls over here, and do this. They have all this routine that they're going to do. But all, everybody said, yeah, why don't you come eat, eat shrimp on me? This idiot, when he, all the fake stuff, they'll keep. But the one thing that they need to do, they, they want to, I, I tell them, I'm like, you want to start your marriage on a good foot? He's like, yeah, absolutely. You want to have good luck in your marriage? I say, yeah, of course. Don't make a thousand people, whatever, five hundred people sin on the night of your wedding. That's all going to come to you. That's Mahdita Abish. Someone who's Mahdita Rim and He has no share in the world to come. And this is very also important. A woman that walks around immodestly, a, a man that looks at a woman, is not like a woman that looks at a woman. Right? And it's very hard for, just like it's, you know, I, I've spoken to before, my wife says, listen, you don't know the test of modesty. And I'm like, you're right, I don't. They're not going to stop speaking about it. But I really don't. And I understand that I, that I don't understand. As a man, we can't understand the, the test that a person has of, uh, of modesty. But if somebody walks out in the street and they're immodest, then if somebody else goes and looks at them, a man, and then, you know, the temptation starts arousing. And then one thing leads to another, and then he does whatever sin that he does afterwards. Who does he have to thank? You. You, know, you who came who were like, oh, no, so hot. You know, some people, this skirt is long enough, but they'll raise it just above the knees. They're like, I just want to make this thing, you know? It's like, you're just an inch off. Why, why, why? You're so close. Just put it one inch lower. No, come on, you know, stylish. Yeah, it doesn't work well with my top, with my bottom, and then all the shoes. I have to be this way. People, are for, they lose everything for the stupidest thing, for the dumbest thing. So that, the, you know, somebody walks in, and the people understand, if you walk in Manhattan, and you're immodest, there's a lot of people that are looking at you. There's a lot of people that are looking at you, and all those sins go on to you. And it's, it's, it's a waste. 
You don't get any enjoyment from them, you know, whatever they do afterwards. Why should I pay for their sins? I don't want to do that. It's a lose-lose situation. Mahdita al-Abim is a very, very serious thing that I think happens very often. There are a lot of people that there's so many WhatsApp groups and, and uh, uh, social media that, oh, I just saw this great TV show. Check this out, right? And meanwhile, you have like 13 people out there that just binge-watch the entire, you know, week and catch up all the seasons until before and because it was really an amazing show, right? So they didn't pray, they didn't eat, they didn't do anything. You know, they didn't put on TV, they didn't put on TV. Who do they have to thank afterwards? For you, because you got two thumbs up, you got a like on your on your status, whatever it is that, that goes on in the in the social media. For what? Why are you sharing these things? And for men, if let's say they have a you know they, they, there's an immodest picture, an immodest thing, that, but it's a funny it's a funny line. Come on, it's a, there's a little caption before and under it, so they're going to send it out to their friends. But what are you doing? You don't gain any enjoyment by whatever they're looking at. You're, you're losing. You're causing many people to sin. They're also you know it's really unfortunate because the problem is so widespread now. There's news news. Uh, there's many. There are many um, websites, they consider themselves religious news stations, and they go and they speak Lashon Hara. They speak, there's, uh, there's somebody who got arrested. They'll post it all over the place. Just because somebody got arrested doesn't mean that he's guilty. It doesn't mean that that person's guilty. How do you know? How do you know that that person's guilty? You don't know anything. So you're going and they're pl- publicizing this person is guilty. Meanwhile, this person could be innocent, you know, five months down the line. And what happens? They don't put another thing, oh, by the way, I think we said five months ago. It's all Rasanara, or Khilot, whatever it is. So they're causing so many people to sin. You're not giving over the news. Because most times they give their opinions. So it's all, it's all very bad. And there's, there's also, uh, there, there are people that this is also on a category. Causing many people to sin is also preventing somebody from doing something good. So let's say somebody wants to come to a Torah class, and they say, uh, so how is this rabbi? Is he uh, any good? Like, oh, this guy just screams nonstop. This guy's a fanatic. And whatever, go to somebody else. Don't, don't go to this guy. This guy's just he's a fanatic guy. So this person just prevented this person from learning to walk. And how do you know? Everybody, by the way, has a different liking towards a different, you know, there, there are certain rabbis that speak a certain way, and there's certain other rabbis that speak other ways. Everybody has a certain liking to a certain rabbi based on their connection of their souls and the root of their souls. What you don't like, somebody else might like. And what somebody else doesn't like, you might like. So you can never say, like, oh, no, this guy's a fanatic. Don't go to this guy. No, you, you don't know. Everybody is good. Everybody has their own method. And you have to say, yeah, go try it out. Maybe you'll like it. It's, it's, he's pretty good at it. But there's also even more, and this gets me so, so upset. I've been working on somebody to keep Shabbat for, for a long time. And then um, he goes uh, up to me and he says, you like me. So I'm like, oh, oh man, I'm starting to sweat. What did I say that? I like it. And he says, uh, and he starts telling me, he's like, you know, you said if I don't keep Shabbat, it's this and this punishment. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I still stand by that. He's like, oh, well, I had another rabbi that came and said, no, I'm fine. He said, I'm okay. God loves everybody. And I'm like, you, he's right. God does love everybody. But uh, he's wrong. You're not fine. And he's like, no, you know what? I hear what he's saying. I like, I'm going to go with that rabbi. He's, he's better. I'm like, this rabbi, what is he doing? This person, he was literally almost keeping Shabbat. And this rabbi says, don't worry about it. Don't worry. You're good. You're chilled. You're good. Everybody loves you. It's okay. Just go slowly. Baby steps. Baby steps. Everybody says baby steps. Right? That when they're 100, they're still doing baby steps. Right? And they, they start doing Shabbat when they're 20, and by the 100, they're still doing the baby steps. Baby steps have to eventually go to toddler steps. The toddler steps eventually have to go to, to kid steps. And kid steps eventually have to go to adult steps. And then you finally take the, the, you know, the real steps to, 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 you know, to, you know, to, to what you need to do. But people go, and, and they, they prevent people from doing mitzvot. I, I really don't understand these rabbis and how they call themselves rabbis by saying, it's okay, don't worry about it, you're all good. You're all good. Like, no, you're not all good. It's not, it doesn't work that way. There are 13 th- the 13 categories we're speaking about over here, if a person does these things and they die without doing tshuva, they're not good. They're really not good. So people have to wake up and be like, you know, listen, I, I don't want to be in this category. There's never a chance that where it's too late. You could always do repentance completely. So much so that everything that you did before was erased. It was gone. Not only was it erased, it could even be a merit for you. But just know that there's, there's, there's always hope. 
The next category is somebody who separates themselves from a community. Somebody who separates themselves from a community is, is somebody that, you know, they have, a, um, you know, there's a, there's a communal gathering, they're collecting money or whatever it is, and everybody's there, and this guy says, eh, not for me, and he separates himself from the community. We have the nutritionist coming today, right? We do? That's the plan? Okay. Uh, all right. So we'll go, we'll go a few more minutes, and if not, then we'll just, uh, we'll just stop. So... The next category is someone known as a Mosal. A Mosal, a Mosal is somebody who, um, who betrays Jews to Gentiles. So uh, the, the little example, it could be either in one of two ways, either for money or for death. So for example, there are people that are looking for the certain Jew because they want to kill him. And you'll be like, well, I know where he lives. He's like, yeah, right around there, third floor apartment, the code, da, 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 and you go right in, enjoy. And he goes and he gives up the location, he gives up the Jew for, to, to the Gentiles. That, and they, they go and they kill him because of that. That person has no chance in the world to come. It also goes if they're going to try to take money from him. If they go and they take money from him, and you also... They, they look for, you know, for somebody, they, they want to take money, and they go and he points them in the right direction, and he goes and he gets, because of that, that person has no share in the world to come. Now, there's many categories that this could branch out to. Now, I'm not saying this classifies it, but it's very, very close. There's a, um, uh, they obviously ask, a, you know, a competent halakhic uh, authority with, when it comes to these types of uh, situations, but it's something that you really want to refrain from, because it's not worth it. What, you're going to sell somebody, sell another Jew out for what, for losing your whole share in the world to come? There are people... And I, I, first, I only thought that it was in Israel, but it turns out that it's also in America also. That if, uh, any accountants here? Oh, one accountant. If you go, and you could, I don't know if you could validate it, if somebody goes and is able to say that this business is, is really making more money than it's, than it, let's say they made only 100 grand, but you know that they need a million, and you go and you tell the IRS, whatever they collect, you get a percentage? I'm not sure. Yeah. So they, uh, I spoke to somebody who said that it's, in Israel it's like that. You get 10%. So if whatever the, the IRS is able to um, is able to collect that you, because of your help, you get to get, you get like a 10% finder's fee. So certain people make this their business. They go and they make everybody friendly. Hey, Habibi, what's going on? How's it going? You know, every day, here's one a cigarette, you want this, that, this. I have all these things for you. And until they become so close, and they say, you know, how's business? Oh, you know, business is booming, but thank God, you know, close this, you know, a big deal. And then he goes behind his back and says, hey, IRS, listen, we got a candidate over here. Just make sure you write me the check afterwards. And then he goes, uh, there's another there's another category also is that people get divorced right people get divorced and let's say the guy was really successful and the wife says I am going to make his life a living Gehenom and she says she says oh, this guy on the books I know what he says he makes she calls up the IRS and says listen you don't know about his Cayman Islands account you don't know about his uh, you know the Panama account you don't know about the Switzerland account oh and there's a few other businesses under his brother's name that's really under his name and then there's and yada 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 eventually she's not getting it she doesn't care about it she just wants him to suffer Right? I'm going to make him suffer. And she goes and she tells over uh, uh, all those things in it. Right? The, the, you're going really, really close in the classification of uh, Mosel. And Mosel, no share in the world to come. Can I ask a question? Yes. What if you have a lawyer, right? And if he goes against another so there's so so every case is very very particular. There are many times that you're allowed to go and you should go to court. There are many times that you should and you need to go to court. Um, but obviously you 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 follow a there, first of all there's there's uh, there's Betty, which means there's a Jewish court. And if let's say you're going to that and then it sometimes it escalates. Go to says listen Betty says listen as much as we can go now go to go to secular court and you have to go to that court and, and there's certain times that you're allowed to and not only that you're required to somebody who's a pedophile somebody who's doing certain things that you know who knows what it is and it's you know it, there's certain things that you obviously every single case you need to ask a competent halakhic authority to say am I allowed to go and do this every single case it's an old case and you can't branch anything out from anything because every single detail is important in these cases but there are many times that you have to do that and there are many times where you should not 
but uh, uh, and the general thing is always good to speak to a rabbi and and who's not who's well versed in these in these areas, and he'll let you know, no, this is okay and this is not okay. But in the general, it's, it, you, there's there's plenty and plenty of cases where it's okay that, that you go and you you know you have to sue somebody, whatever it is that the, the scenario is. The the next category is somebody who causes other people to it causes people to fear. Uh, you know, he, he puts he puts fear on the public for no reason. I need power. You know, I want power. He's a leader, whatever it is. And he causes people, not for the service of God. He doesn't scare people to do Shabbat. Just, you know, people like power. Power is good, power. They enjoy power. And because of that, they cause it, they cause it. that person has no share in the world to come. Those categories that we listed should have been 24 people. Right? There was 13 categories. Out of that, was 24 people. They have no share in the world to come. They have, unless they do Shabbat, unless they repent. If they repent, they can do anything. Right? So, if you ask most people in these categories, I think the biggest problem, and I, and I may be wrong, it's my own opinion, you know, when I say it's my own opinion, I, when it's my own opinion, I usually like to say it, is people that cause many people to sin. I think it's a very, very big problem nowadays. Atheists, most people really believe in God. You know, they might, you know, not listen to God, but most people, if they really, they really do believe in God. And if they don't, then it's a conversation that you have to go with. If you don't believe in God, speak to somebody about it. I'm open. Come to me. I'll, I'm, I'm happy to, to speak. What yeah. about people who are not... Um do like illegal business transactions. That's not, uh, you know, that's not a good thing. But that's not under the categories of they don't have a share in the world to come. Unless they do chuba or they, uh, chuba could be in anything. You could do chuba. Yeah, you, you, there are people. You know, it's funny because people ask me that. They're like, uh, we spoke about stealing once, and they're like, um, and then for some reason they're like, what about stealing from the government? You know, mm-hmm. the insurance scams and all these things. Yeah. And I'm like, it's still stealing. I'm like, no, but it's the government. And I'm like, yeah, so it's still stealing. And like, no, but let's say it's an insurance company. And I'm like, it's still stealing. I, I really don't, where are you going at? And they're like, no, but they know that people are going to do these things. Like you take your phone and you lose it and then you sell it. But they know, they calculate that and say, I pay for that to do that. And I'm like, I, I don't know what you're paying for. And, you know, even though you're paying for that, it's still stealing. You know, no, even though they calculate it. What? Just sometimes people use like certain Right, certain metrics. Right, and honestly, it's a big problem. You have to pay yeah. back to companies. You have to pay back the companies, yeah. You should not. You should stop. One, the first thing you do is just stop. You oh. stop using it. Yeah, use uh, use uh, use your own pay. If but you're not a student, isn't it like they gave it to him to use it? Right? Yeah, yeah. You're using the same amount of drugs. It's still, but it's still, it's still, it's still, it's still, it's still only for him. It's only for when he needs to go to school and from school. I don't know. It, I, I correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it's college. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you'll be eligible for that. I don't know how it works with metro cards. I don't know if you're eligible. Yeah, for them. They don't. Yeah. So they, if they don't, so then it's better to no, stop. No, I mean I'm not. They give metro cards, but I'm not qualified in, in school. So stay away from it. Don't do it. Not worth it. The few dollars that you save with there, it's not worth it. Or an employer who promises you one salary, you're not and lower salary to you. That's a big problem with him. But you're not allowed to go and be like, well, he did that, so I'm going to take some merchandise to pay up for me. No, no, no. But, like, do they give it back? Will they, will they have to do to show it? Yes, they have to pay you back. Yeah, if they promised you something and you have, there's a contract and they didn't pay you, they have to pay you. They are obligated to go and pay you what they what was promised. And what was, uh, obviously, it depends on, on the whole, you know, verbal. There's so many criteria that goes into each case. If it was verbal and they literally agreed on that and then they didn't, and then they somehow they'll be like, well, we changed our mind. You know, first of all, if they change your mind and you agree to that already and you're still working there, then you're like, okay, you're, you're agreeing to it. But anything previous that you work thinking that you're making that money and only afterwards they told you you're not making that money, that they still will be obligated to pay you. Because they didn't tell you that only until afterwards. For example, the first week. You worked and you thought you're, you're making, uh, um, let's say, $50 an hour. And afterwards, they come and they say, uh, by the way, no, we're paying you just $30 an hour. They're like, no, I worked since I worked. You told me $50 an hour. Like, yeah, we told you, uh, but we changed our mind. So they are still obligated to pay you for that, for that $20 difference. But further on working, if you're continuing working for them, then you know it's $30 an hour. It's not more I promise. You know that that is. Make sense? Yes. Yeah. 
And what is there to show in order? They have to either ask you for forgiveness or pay you and ask you for forgiveness for causing hardship. That anything that's anything that's between man to man, uh, human to human, not only do you have to rectify whatever you did wrong, but you also have to appease the person. Because they also went through hardship because that. Make peace, yeah. Any, there was a question on the, yeah. Um, before you said something that, like, all of your, um, making someone else sin, like, you're, you're in the wrong, but how come the other person isn't in the wrong? He is in the wrong, or she's in the wrong, you're also. Saying, like, you're your own person. Yeah. You well, make your own decision. They get punished? Like, that guy, he went to the... Yeah, 100%. No, he's getting, he's getting his fear, fear, due. That's whatever God is going to prescribe to him, you know. But you have a part in that. You have a part. Just the same way, if you, by the way, it works the other way also. If you, if you, you know, this is, it works the other way even better, and I really should have spoken about this. If you, let's say, go and you bring somebody to, let's say, a, a Torah class, you get reward for them learning. Right? Let's say you go and you, you arrange a class, and because of that, 15 people come learning Torah. You get not reward for just you listening, you get reward for all the 15. Everything that is coming to you, the more you bring, that's why if you get to bring, you bring just one person to learn Yeshua Torah, and they come to learn, and because of that, they go and they change their life. All that reward is all going to go for you. Everything is, is measure for measure, which is unbelievable. If you make one person come to uh, you make one person religious, right? So now, they're not just religious themselves. Their kids are now going to be religious. Their grandkids are going to be religious. There's so many merits that are going to be, there's so many mitzvot that's going to happen over the period of, uh, of the course of who knows how many years that all comes to your merit. Now, the opposite, it goes away. If you bring somebody else away from them, you say, oh, come on, I have this great club I'm going to, and because of that, they, whatever, they just, you're just a bad friend, and you just take them away from everything, then they're not going to be religious, the kids are not going to be religious. All those sins go upon you also. So you have to be very careful. It's, it's uh, what is it, dividends, I guess? Uh, you know, you're, you're paying, you know, like, um, there's a certain... Um, this is the way they go, like a pyramid scheme, right? Which means is that there's somebody on the top that he says, okay, I'm going to bring one person, and you go and you make sales. And every, per- every sale that you make, I'll make money off that. And that person goes and he makes that, and, he, and then yada, 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 right? Now, that's the same way it works spiritually, but it's a little bit different. Because if, let's say, somebody makes $100, a profit, then you have to split that $100 between all the people involved. But in heaven, there is no, there's no, there's no limit to the hundred dollars. If someone does a merit, you get hundred percent. You get hundred percent. Mm-hmm. You understand? So it, it, it's, it's, it's. We're talking about big money over here. Big money. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yeah. I'm saying you have to also no. It's not. <laughs> no. Speak freely. Speak freely. No, I don't. <laughs> No, 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 no. If somebody owes somebody money, he has to go and pay them back. And if they don't, it's a big problem because they have to ask for forgiveness. Let's say they owe somebody money and they don't have the money to pay back. Yeah. So they um, have to ask for forgiveness. If the guy forgives them, you know, you know, says I forgive you three times, you know, really from the depths of my heart, I understand you're a good friend. Don't worry about it. You're good. You're good. So you know, but he has to really mean it, or she has to really mean it. Good. Any other questions? Okay. Go yeah. No. Um, well, what was that thing about if the other person's are going to do it? They're going to do it anyway. So, like let's say you and your friends all listen to yeah. non-Jewish music, for right. example, and you invite them out to karaoke. Right. It's all so on you. It's no, it's not. It's also not them, but you get you, it's it's you you get all the bonuses. Then and then doesn't matter yeah, it's it because anyway. of you. They could come to the school anyway, but because of you, you're like, oh, come, um, we're gonna make an extra one today. But they learn anyways all the time. But because of you, they keep an extra one. Then you get a reward for that also. Even if they do this, they don't eat non-kosher anyway. But you go and you feed them non-kosher. Come to my house. Here's a good pork chop. You know, and they feed them. So, but oh, okay. they would have went and they would have ate it anyways. And, but and, but because you helped them, you're an assistant. What? what if they don't know that it wasn't kosher? So then and it's a shogak. Then it's an. Uh, then it's an. Uh, then it's like a. It's a. It's still. If somebody eats on kosher, it's still a sin. Without knowing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's still a sin, but it's a, it's a lower level. It's something you didn't know. It's a. It's called a shogak. The shogak. It's not on. Uh, mm-hmm. Any other questions?
I think you have a hard time understanding it. Even if somebody, no, 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 no I understand the question. I understand that. Do it an extra time. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know, if somebody is a, is a, is a, you know, a cocaine, a heroin addict, right? And you're like, well, he's going to do it anyway. But you gave him that lethal dose that just killed him, right? Be like, well, he was going to do it anyway. But you're the supplier that supplied the lethal dose. That's a pretty big, big bad. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty bad thing. And you never know, you know, these things always build up. And they build up with this. Do you need to on that? What? Do you need to do on the sins that you made other people do? What? Do you need to do on sins that you made other people do? Yes, you could do shabbat. It's very, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a process. You should try to make people, you know, do the, um, you know, bring merit to them. You know, like, you know, try to get them away from it. Let's say somebody went and, and uh, you know, whatever. Try to, part of the job, try to get in that or her out of that out of that uh, situation but if let's say you can't you go and you really do chuvah you, you can do chuvah even if even, even if it, it's very difficult because yeah, let's say you, let's say you had a, um, a TV talk show and you went and you spoke to about everybody all the rabbis and it's very hard to you know to do chuvah to do chuvah completely on all of it but if you really work hard enough God will assist you and you'll, and you'll work out if, God, if you really want to you will get assistance from God you'll get assistance from God and you'll be able to, to complete the whole, whole chuvah and we're is there a book on all the chuvahs to be done? There are many books. There are many books. The chuvah, we're, 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 we're going to be speaking about throughout the entire, for the next few weeks, on the process. I don't know if it's next week, but we're going to speak about this. 24 people, that they say, uh, do certain things. God holds the chuvah from back from them. Like, I'm not going to let you do chuvah. You know, it, they could still do chuvah, but it's going to be very difficult. We'll speak about those type of people. Just, it's just important to know. It's not like a scary, it's not like a scary topic. Like, oh, you know, people have losing share in the world to come. Ooh, you know, it's, it's something that you have to know that, you, you know, it brings you some clarity and be like, all right, this is a serious sin. I have to do something. The more serious that you know something is, the more chuvah you'll be able to actually do it. And if there's something that holds, that's going to hold you back, you know, also to stay away from certain things. So they're very important. Mm-hmm. Shabbat part of it? Shabbat is, is, is part of karat. And if somebody, karat is a, is a sin that God cuts you off. So if you don't keep Shabbat, it's also a very, so very big thing. Let's say, um, uh, let's say the driver, he, let's say she leaves late and we're all going to be in the car. You're sitting in the car while they're driving, you mean? No, I mean like, that person left late, we were about to leave early. Like you ended up driving on Shabbat somewhere. Yeah. It's, still, it's still considered violating Shabbat. Um, because what, what should have happened is, let's say you're driving, and it's time for Shabbat, you've got to lock the car and walk the rest of the distance. Is there a shuba for Karat? There's shuba for everything. Everything. There's shuba for Karat. Wait, you said that um, you lose the, you know, the you, uh, That's only if you die without doing repentance. Oh. If you repent, you don't lose anything. Okay. Everything comes back. But you have to do the repentance. Many people say, oh yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. Like the first story, they think they could do it, and then, you know, unfortunately, they, they don't always make it. They don't always make it. So it's not, it's not beneficial to push it off. It's also, when you're pushing it off, you're showing God, like, you don't really want to repent. It's not, all right, I'll do it later. You know, uh, this, is a good, this is a good movie Friday night. I'll do it, I'll do it, whatever. You know, there's a great party I'm going to Friday night. Uh, next week, next week, I'll start keeping Shabbat. Which means that, that, okay, maybe you do want to do Shabbat, you really do, but it doesn't really mean that much to you. Because if it really meant a lot to you, you would, you would start it right then and there. Right? If you have your spouse and they ask you something that means so much to them, it really, like, from the bottom of heart, listen, I'm asking you, please, you know, stop smoking or whatever. You know, whatever it is that, you, that they ask you, if they really come out from the depths of their heart and you really love that person and you really want to do everything that you can to make that person happy, you'll do anything. You will do anything to make that a person happy, that you're your significant other. And there's other times you should all find that significant other. You should feel that way. You should always feel that way. And they should feel that way for you also. But this is the relationship that we have between us and God. God loves us so much and just wants us to come close. And just want, just, just do it. Just do it. Just take that one step. All it says, you open up a small hole like a needle, and I'll, I'll do everything the rest. Just come to me one step. Come to me one step. That's why it's very important. You, you want to keep, start keeping, by the way, 
if, you know, everybody wants a good year, right? Judgment Day is coming up, right? New Year's is very different for, for uh, you know, the, you imagine you, you speak to like a non-Jew and they'll be like, you know, uh, our New Year's is coming up. And they're like, all right, man, party. Yeah, New Year's. <laughs> and be like, uh, you know, they're like, not, not really. So it's like, what is it? So they go, well, we have two, two days of uh, New Year. Like, two days of party? That is sick. That's awesome. And they're like, we don't really party on our New Year's. So they're like, you know, what do you, what do you guys do? You know, we pray basically, you know, all day. And they're like, why would you do that on, on New Year's? And they're like, you know, because God's judging us. And, uh, you know, maybe we want to have a good year. And they're like, no, you party. And what are you doing, man? You're doing it wrong. And people don't understand, you know, there's Rosh Hashanah coming up and there's Judgment Day. Judgment Day means that you're going to get judged in about, what is it, like a month or so? Everything that will happen to you the following year, you're going to live the year, you're not going to live the year. You're going to get married that year, you're not going to get married that year. You're going to make a million dollars, you're going to lose a million dollars. Everything that will happen will be judged right then and there. Everything that will happen that year, from Rosh Hashanah until the following Yom Kippur, you get judged everything that will happen that entire year. So you want to have a good year, right? I venture to say everybody would like to have a good year. Would like, they want to get married, you want to find the man of your dreams. You want to do all these things. And because you should find the right person at the right time. But... What are you going to do? You're preparing for a court case. If you're coming up for a court case, more of people just like wing it. All right, oh, whatever. Oh, Shana comes. All right, I'll stop eating, you know. Whatever. They try last, last minute things. Be like, start preparing beforehand. You want to have a good judgment? The earlier you prepare, the better off that you are. The earlier you prepare, the more, uh, the more chance you have of a, good, uh, of a good judgment. So you start, you don't keep Shabbat, you start to make Shabbat now. So you come into Shabbat and say, listen, four Shabbat, I kept already got. Kosher? Four weeks. Kept the kosher. Look at me, I'm a changed woman. I'm a changed man. Please give me a good year. Please, I'm begging you, God. You know, and you go and you open up. Yes. Yeah. Will it make a difference if you like stop doing something for this month, let's say? Mm-hmm. Like start again after it's over. Yes. That make it like yes. something. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's it's not the it's not the most um, whatever word I'm looking for. You know what I'm talking about. It's not the best, but. Do it. If that's what's going to keep stopping you from doing certain things, yes, then yes, absolutely. There are people that don't eat, they don't, there's chalab yisrael and chalab akum. There are people that only eat chalab yisrael only for the 10 days of repentance. And they know that they're all going to follow, but it's still good. It's still good to do what they do. You know, do, if you could be better for at least the next like uh, four weeks or six weeks or whatever it is, do it. Even though you think later, whatever is going to happen later, later. Six weeks you can do it. Six weeks you can change your life. Six weeks you can trust modestly. It's getting winter, the winter style, huh? It will make a difference. Absolutely. Yes. What are, what are the steps? For repentance, very good. So, number one, is ver- we'll make it very simple. Um, number one is stop sinning. That's pretty obvious, right? If you want to do repentance, you have to stop sinning. Number two is you have to regret it, which means is it's not like, you know, the guys will be like, oh, man, remember that trip? High five, yeah, good times, good times. <laughs> and they'll be like, uh, you know, like, oh, no, 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 oh, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, God. And you're not really regretting it, you know? Like, remember the good times when we hung out with all those, you know? That's not really regretting something, all that good pork, you know, chop that we had many years ago. That you're not regretting it. You're regretting it and being like, I can't believe I did that. You know, God does so much for me. How did I go and do this? You know, he's so amazing. He gives me my life. He gives me everything. How did I go and do this to him? I, I'm so, I feel so bad. I don't, I don't, you know, I regret it. It's real regret. You have to be verbal? Uh, Confession is the next part, which has to be verbal. It has to be verbal to God. You don't have to, you know, gather everybody around. Says, uh, <laughs> Please, I have some announcements to make. Um, and there's a few sins, you know, and they take out a scroll. I'll be like, well, uh, you know, September the 4th, you know, I do this and this. You don't have to go announce only to God. You announce it to God. Think it is also good, but it's better to go... If it was between another person... Yeah, oh, that's very different. Right, right, thank you. If it's between another person, 
then you have to actually, you know, you can't be like, well, you know, I hope you forgive me, or I hope she forgives me. No, you have to actually go and ask for forgiveness. But let's say it's in between you and God, whatever it was, you know, not just food, you know, addressing him honestly, whatever, whatever it was, you just verbally, you know, put yourself in a room. I'll get you. Put yourself in a room. Um, it's best to do it very privately. Put yourself in a room. If you know how to say something to him, you take out to him, and and the best is if you can get yourself to cry. And I tell this to the men also. How do you get yourself to cry? And if you don't think you can't, so this is a, is a good method that if people, you know, want to try. You have to actually meditate. You have to actually bring yourself to this situation. You bring yourself into a situation where you live a very long life and very successful. Both of them, you're very happy. And um, you have a wife, you have kids, you know, business, everything, went, or you have whatever, spouse, husband, wife, you know, kids. And you go and uh, it's, after 120, you're sitting on the, on the deathbed. And you're sitting over there, and you're picturing what you're going to tell your, 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 your daughter. What are you going to tell your son? The last words that you're going to tell my mouth. Like, what do you pick? You know, and this brings emotions. This is going to, you know, raise emotions. And then you think about what are you going to tell your wife or your husband before you pass, you know. And then you think about, finally, you bring yourself to the thing about, like, what am I going to tell? I'm meeting my maker now. What am I going to tell him? You bring yourself into that, into that category. And if that doesn't work, then switch it around a little bit. Think about, and it's very morbid. I know it's very morbid, but it brings your emotions out. Mm-hmm. You go and you think about, you know, you're the most loved person of your life. You're giving their eulogy. What are you going to say to them? Which, by the way, it's good to think about every once in a while because you appreciate the other person more. You go and you, you think about, you know, your, your husband, the person you love for so many years, or your, your wife, the person that you cherish for so many years, and, you know, from the bits of your heart you love, and then you've got to go and, you, you know, you see, you know, unfortunately, after 120 years, you have to go and give a eulogy. What are you going to say? And you start preparing the speech in your mind. When you start your, your heart, everything of wall of stone is going to melt away. You, once you get the tears running, you divert it, sort of meditate it to God. And be like, okay, now I'm so sorry for missing. You know, just, just sort of like a catalyst. Who's that cheating? Who's that cheating? Who's that? No, it's, not, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's actually part of meditation. I shouldn't say that. Cheating is that, right? On video camera. No, I'm a cheat. Nobody's not a cheat. I'm not being an enemy. But you're arousing your emotions. You're, you're getting yourself a kickstart. And afterwards, once you get that... Once you get a good cry to God, you'll never feel the same. You'll, 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 there's one thing to know that there's a God, but there's another thing to build a relationship with Him. You have to speak to Him. And speak to Him. You speak in your own words. You speak English, Russian, whatever, Hebrew, whatever it is, you, you speak in your own words. God understands you. You go and you speak to Him. You say something to Him. And then you go, you lock yourself up in the room, you close it, you take a box of tissues, and you just cry. <laughs> you know, you just, you know, and, and, and this is a shame because women are more emotional. That's why the prayers are so much more powerful. You have the ability to do so much. They, you know, it's unfortunate. You watch a cartoon and you start crying. Now waste the tears. Go run and cry. Go run and get the, you know, TV and start crying to God. You're sitting there, you, there's a love story, love song that you hear out there, you start crying. And they're like, take that right now, pause it, run, say something to leave, and use the tears for something. The tears are so powerful. So the, the, tear, the gates of tears were never locked. You want to get through God, you get to the gate of tears. Women are very emotional. You're able to get that out much easier than men. Men have this facade that, no, we're tough, we're men. Right? So we will plow fields and we will not cry ever. Right? But no, it's good. It's good. You open up to God. You show God that you, you, know, you build such a strong relationship that way. Every day when you, if, when you pray, speak to God. Speak to God. You're sitting in your car by yourself, talk to God. Right? People might think you're crazy, but they might think that you're singing in songs or the thing. Right? Can you talk in your mind? Like talking in your mind is also good, yeah. It's, you know, if you can talk verbally, if you feel weird, talk in your mind. Have a conversation <laughs> in your mind. From my understanding, women do that all the time. No, I'm just kidding. Just joking. Right, the husband comes home, and the wife is already three steps ahead of him in the argument. And you said this in my mind, and now I said this, and then you came back with that, and now I'm so upset at you. I'd be like, please catch me up. What, what did I miss? What did I miss? I'd be like, well, well, I said this, and then you said this. Right, a woman wakes up, she kicks her husband off the bed. Like, what did you do? It's like, in my dream, you cheated on me. You're like, what up? Yeah. Like, how is that my fault? Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. You know, I'll be like, well, what did I do to you? I didn't do anything. So, you know, 
You use that use that catalyst in your mind to talk to God. And men also do that, by the way. It's not only it's not only women, but uh, you know, men do that. You ever realize you're driving, and then suddenly you get really angry at that person, and you get angrier because in your mind you're ready in the fight, and you're ready to oh, you're like, oh, I can't believe this person. What he just said to me. But they didn't help you. But in your mind, you're saying, I know. You get to that and be like, well, you know something. What has just happened? You just walk in and you're ready in a fight. So. In the mind, it's also good. Speak to God. Speak. It's good. Open to God. Speak to Him. Um, you know, build a relationship. It's very important. God's sitting there. He loves you. He loves you so much. He wants everything for He wants you to give you the world. And you should know, everything that you have in your life right now, you're laughing because it's true. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. so, so that's how I know it is, that, it, that it's true. You know, I stand up comedian knows that, 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 you know, think when they laugh, and it's, it's, why they laugh? Because they know that it's true. Someone sent me a clip pretty recently where this, uh, this Italian guy, I don't know if you saw it, but, uh, you know, he's, he's walking and his family is very superstitious. And he has like a red horn hanging from his rearview mirror. And he picks up a girl on, the, on a date. And, um, and she sits down next to him and he's, you know, he's like driving. And she's like, uh, what's up, uh, you know, for, with the red horn? What are you going to tell him about the evil eyes this frozen girl I just picked up? You know, so he's like, uh, you know, my family is, you know, into that, you know, whatever. So like, no, but what? It's, a, it's pretty weird. Why do you have the red horn? So like, it's for the demon, you know, so they don't put an evil eye on me. What do you want to go eat? You know? <laughs> I don't want to place their evil eye on me. You know, people have these uh, things that they go on in their, there's a thing with evil eye. People are so superstitious about evil eye, but they don't fo- focus on the real things. Somebody doesn't keep Shabbat has a lot more bad luck. It brings suffering upon a person. We spoke about this many times. Someone who doesn't keep Shabbat will have suffering come onto the person in this world. Correct. It's somebody that has suffering. But they won't have keys on the table, God forbid. No, Shabbat is okay. We, we could watch TV on Shabbat. But keys? Woo! Salt? Get it off. Yeah. Not only Shabbat, but some people, like, I know a lot of people that they keep Shabbat, they keep kosher, but just regular manners that they don't have. They don't respect elders. It's a big problem. You're right. So, like, like what's the point of doing all that if you can't so no, so they, they should never be what's the point because there's sins and there's merits. The two of them never like cancel each other out. I was speaking to somebody yesterday and he says, what's the point? Why should I put on today? And I do so many sins at night. So I'm like, you have sins and you have merits. They don't like cancel each other out. Obviously, it's very bad. It's a very big problem because it says the Vilna, the Vilna God, which is one of the things that I want to focus on is, is the, one of the series that I would in the plan is, is going through character traits. People have to fix their character traits. Anger, pride, um, you know, uh, ego, you know, a lot of these things interact. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that, that, I, that, it, that, that is important. The Bill says one of the main purposes of you being here is to fix your character traits. So there are many people, they learn Torah all day, they come home and they beat their wives. You know, I have happens to be, I, I don't think so, but if they learn Torah all day, they really don't. But it's just a very odd thing, you know. Or they'll go, you have people that they, they in Israel, they, 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 they're religious kids, but they'll go and they'll throw rocks at cars that keep Shabbat. As if that's going to help. As if somebody's driving on Shabbat, and then a rock comes through his window, I'll be like, oh, right, it's Shabbat. I didn't even think about that. I was looking for the rock and for a reminder. Close it off, and now I'll start keeping Shabbat. It doesn't work that way. And they're not doing it. They're just strange Shabbat by throwing the rocks then. And they're doing it on the other So there are many people, you're right, that they're, they, they're, they are religious, they look religious, but they don't do things right. And first of all, just because they don't do things right doesn't mean that they should stop doing things. Yeah, you know, that's because they do things wrong. That's not the point. I'm just saying that, like, if you can't do basic, basic things that everyday life consists of, why, why are you being religious? Why are you saying, oh, I'm a good Jew, I'm praying, I'm keeping Torah? But if you're learning Torah, then you should know how to respect that. You're 100% right. You're 100% right. Yeah. You know the 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 way of the you know having good manners should come before Torah. It should come, be, which means it that, that it shouldn't. It shouldn't be no. And you're right; it is a problem. It is, but but if somebody has severe anger issues, it doesn't mean like well, you know, that's it. I'm done. I have severe anger issues. Might as well just 
whatever, you know, do everything else. But at the same time, you're right, it's, it's a very big kulul Hashem. You see some guy who's flipping somebody off with a big beard. You know, I think there's just an expectation of a religious person acting there a is. certain way. There is. So, there is. Any other questions? I know it's getting late. I'm assuming the nutritionist is not yeah. coming. So, uh, any other questions before we? Uh, uh, somebody had a question over here. Did we answer that? So if you talk about about a person and you have to go to them and ask. Them, oh, that's a very good question. Very good question. Right, so it's a very good question. The question is, it, it, that's an excellent question. It's a very hard question to answer. Um, yeah. The question is, is that, let's say you spoke bad about somebody else mm-hmm. behind their back, and now you want to do tuba. So now the question is, do you tell them that, hey, by the way, um, I spoke really bad about you. And uh, they're like, well, well what did you say? I really don't want to tell you. Um, they're like, no, 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 tell me. It's, it's fine. We're friends. Uh, no, I, really, I really don't want to. And they're like, no, no, tell me. You know, you're, you don't want to tell that person. So it's a very good question. You have to add, it depends, depends on the scenario. It's an excellent question, but it depends on the scenario. Sometimes it's better not to say because they're going to get more hurt. Yeah. But, but, but every scenario has to be spoke, asked specifically by a rabbi and it has to be looked into. And sometimes you should say it, sometimes you shouldn't say it. So every, every, it's an excellent question, though. I heard it's like, yeah. well, you say... No, no, you personally, I was going to say no. that. Um, I heard it's like, if, if there was an effect, if like something was caused by it, then you ask... It also depends, yeah. Like if nothing happened, the situation is forgotten, then it's sort of... Right, right. It depends. It depends on a lot of things. And it's always good to... I, I never want to generalize things because sometimes people take it, especially if it's on camera, and they'll be like, well, that was okay, so this is okay, okay, okay. Certain things have... Every single thing has to go uh, met by a specific rabbi. And by the way, you should know, and um, and anybody can contact me if, if they ever want it, there's is, there is chats for... Where there's halakhic posik, a rabbi, who sits and answers chats on text all day. Wow. If you want, right? I, I, I did one for women and one for men. There's a separate one. He has... His, his name is Rabbi Shai Tahan. Excellent, excellent. And uh, there's a few of them, actually. And uh, if anybody wants, I, you let me know. I could add you if you, to the women or to the men. You could add just, it, it's a text. You text anytime. It's a, it's a group chat. You private text. So, and people, what happens is, is people don't want to ask a rabbi because they don't have a connection with the rabbi. It's so easy to text. Yeah. They'd be like, all right, just throw in a, throw in a, throw in. And you know what? You're on the chat. They ask, people ask really interesting questions. Yeah. They'd be like, you can learn stuff from it. So, if anybody wants, please let me see me afterwards and I'll add you guys. Or, you know, if you write your numbers down on papers, I'll, 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 uh, I'll add you to that to that group. Excellent, excellent. Strongly recommend it because this way you always have an option. And if it's a private question, you just private that message to the rabbi. And you know the rabbi doesn't. You don't have to say, "Hey, this is me from you." No, just question and answer. And so it's very it's very uh, informal but formal at the same time. And you had a question. Uh, like before Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, sometimes people they send out text messages. Do you forgive yeah, me? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything? Do they have to specify what they did? If they did something wrong, yes, they should specify. Um, so people so it ask, doesn't count if they just write like, "Oh, do you forgive It's me a nice thing to do. People do it. Uh, sometimes they even just copy the same text message. I wish you a wishful, peaceful year, happy year with success and happiness and money and yada yada yada. Please forgive me if I wronged you in any sort of way. Which somebody, some people will be like. I'm offended by this, you know, give me a phone call. So somebody that, you know, other people say, no, it's nice, you know, whatever, they enjoy it. They're like, oh, that's so nice. Of course, I'm you, you, you know, like before a test. Good luck, good luck. You know, when you're, 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 when you're in school and you're young and you're nervous about this test, you're wishing good luck to everybody, you know, like, oh, thanks for luck to everybody. I wish everybody good luck, you know, I'd like to thank everybody at this time. And, you know, you take a test, hope me they'll bring you good luck. But, but you know, it's so nice. It's not, you know, it, it's, it, some people that they're going to get hurt. Let's say you're really close. You have your best friend. You're like, oh, I hope you give them a phone call. Especially if you hurt them wrong. It's, it's much more personal. But it's also some people like it. They enjoy the, the, the text message. Depends on the person. Depends on also the relationship with them. Somebody you haven't spoken in 17 years, you know, will be like, hey, uh, <laughs> yeah, who is this? Uh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> wrong number. Yeah. So, depends, uh, depends on the situation. There, there, yeah. Any other questions? There were other categories that uh, the Rambam speaks about, which is, we're getting late, so um, let's, uh, let's, 
you know, let me give you just two of them, and we'll finish with this. Number one is if somebody uh, makes invents a disparaging a, a nickname for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So it's good thing it's good. So it's very bad. Not only that, that if they invent it, but also that you cannot call them. That even if somebody you've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.